Good morning, everyone. Great to be with you this morning. Uh, we're continuing our series in the Gospel of John, so we'll continue doing that this morning. But let me just begin by saying this to you. How many of you, by raise your hand, raise up your hand, actually enjoying this series? Okay. Good, good, good. I, I, hope, I hope you guys are. If you didn't raise your hand, it's okay. Okay, we, we still love you. But you, do, you are missing out. Let's just put it that way, okay? Um, we are taking this summer to study the Gospel of John. Now, the way we do it is interesting because Sunday is just kind of beginning. We kind of introduce you to the Gospel itself, except me, because I like to cover everything. So I take every minute possible to cover the whole chapter, which is anti for a lot of people, but for me, it is just the right thing to do. Uh, but a lot of times what we can do, continually study by, there's a thing that we have, it's called Starter, which is our daily devotional from Monday through Saturday where one of our contributors will actually take the portion of the scripture and dive into God's word. So if you don't pick up your Bible, I mean, we even create an app for you to pick up that Bible and study the word together. So go ahead and check us out. You can find it on our amazing app, on our app, that actually you will find the starter app within it. I know it sounds kind of confusing, but just find the app and you'll be able to find it. As I begin today, um, our church, as you have seen, we mentioned a couple of times, is we have this thing called creative team. Now, creative team, I enjoy them very much. What they do, they get to express what God is doing through the art or whatever the means possible. So there's one art that if you, I don't think we have it in the screen, but as you exit today, there is one art that is based on John 9. Um, it's about the blind man receiving sight, which we will talk about today. Um, but there is actually art piece that are made by Shaniqua Washington. Uh, it's a brilliant piece. I mean, it's, it's one of those things that just will capture you. And that there is a story behind it. It's not just an art, you just look at it and just move on. But there's actually a story behind it. And how she came about to making this art to express what's behind this story. So, that being said, without any hesitation, I would like to get straight into the Word. So, you open your Bible this morning. If you have a paper Bible, God bless you. You always are welcome. But if you don't have a Bible this morning... Scream behind me, it works just fine. So follow along with me, okay? Gospel of John, chapter 9, verse 1. Now, as Jesus passed by, he saw a man who was blind from birth. And his disciples asked him, saying, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Jesus answered, neither this man nor his parents sinned, but that the works of God should be revealed in him. I must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. The night is coming when no one can work. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. When he said these things, he spat on the ground and made a clay with saliva. And he anointed the eyes of the blind man with the clay. Verse 7. And he said to him, go, wash in the pool of Siloam, which is translated sent. So he went and washed and came back seeing. Therefore, the neighbors and those who previously had seen that he was blind said, is this not he who said and begged? Some said, this is he. Others said, he is like him. He said, I am he. Therefore, they said to him, how were your eyes open? He answered and said, a man called Jesus 
made clay and anointed my eyes and said to me, go to the pool of Siloam and wash. So I went and washed and I received sight. Then they said to him, where is he? He said, I do not know. They brought him who formerly was blind to the Pharisees. Now it was a Sabbath when Jesus made a clay and opened his eyes. Then the Pharisees also asked him again how he had received his sight. He said to them, he put a clay on my eyes and I watched and I see. Therefore, some of the Pharisees said, this man is not from God because he does not keep the Sabbath. Others said, how can a man who is a sinner do such signs? And there was a division among them. They said to the blind man again, what do you say by him because he opened your eyes? He said, he is a prophet. But the Jews did not believe concerning him that he had been blind and received his sight until they called the parents of him who had received his sight. And they asked him again, is this your son who you say was born blind? How then does he now see? His parents answered them and said, we know this is our son and that he was born blind. But by what means he now sees, we do not know. Or who opened his eyes, we do not know. He is of age, ask him. He will speak for himself. His parents said these things because they feared the Jews. For the Jews had agreed already that if anyone confessed that he was Christ, he would be put out of the synagogue. Therefore his parents said, he is of age, ask him. So they again called the man who was blind and said to him, give God the glory. We know this man is a sinner. He answered and said, whether he is a sinner or not, I do not know. One thing I know, that though I was blind, now I see. Then they said to him again, what did he do to you? How did he open your eyes? He answered them, I told you already, and you did not listen. Why do you want me to hear it again? Do you also want to become his disciples? Then they reviled him and said, you are his disciples, but we are Moses' disciples. We know that God spoke to Moses. As for this fellow, we do not know where he is from. Verse 30, the man answered and said to them, why, this is a marvelous thing that you do not know where he is from, yet he opened my eyes. Now we know that God does, hear, does not hear sinners, but if anyone is a worshiper of God and does his will, he hears him. Since the world began, it has been unheard of that anyone opened the eyes of the one who was born blind. If this man were not from God, he could do nothing. They answered and said to him, you were completely born in sin and are you teaching us? And they cast him out. Verse 35. Jesus heard that they had cast him out, and when he had found him, he said to him, Do you believe in the Son of God? He answered and said, Who is he, Lord, that I may believe in him? And Jesus said to him, You have both seen him, and it is he who is talking with you. Then he said, Lord, I believe. And he worshiped him. And Jesus said, for judgment I have come into this world, that those who do not see may see, and those who, do, who see may be made blind. Then some of the Pharisees who were with him heard these words and said to him, are we blind also? Jesus said to them, if you were blind, you would have no sin. But now you say we see, therefore your sin remains. This 
is the word of the Lord. So let's begin by going a little bit of a background of this story, because this story is full. I mean, this is a treasure trove in my book, but I must be honest with you this morning. Chapter 9 of Gospel of John, everybody knows I love Gospel of John. But Gospel of John chapter 9 has been always that one chapter that I just read fast. You know, it's like one of those things, chapter 8, you know, the, the woman caught in adultery, wow, amazing story. And following chapter 10, great story. But chapter 9 always been one of those chapters I didn't really take my time to study. But this, when Pastor, wonder, our wonderful pastor, Chris Pate, assigned this series, he actually gave me this chapter. As if it's a sign from the Lord that I have to study this chapter that I've been just reading it through every time when I read the gospel. So I'm grateful this morning to be able to open to you this wonderful word. Word, It's just filled with a story of story and a layer after layer. I mean, it's just full of just nuggets. That's what I call it. It's spiritual nuggets. So I hope that I'll be able to share some of these spiritual nuggets with you this morning. Is that Okay. So John 20:31 gives us what is the purpose of this gospel. John had a specific reason why he wrote. He said in John 20 verse 31, "But these are written his gospel that you may believe which the belief is critical in this gospel that appears over and over and over as if it's a broken record, but it's not. He has a special intent for you to understand the gospel, the mind of the apostle John himself, that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you may have in his name. Give you a little bit of background this story. Now, this story begins in Jerusalem. Now, you're probably wondering, how do you know that it begins in Jerusalem? is the one sentence that actually mentions, or one word that actually says, Pool of Siloam. Now, Pool of Siloam was made in the time of a King Hezekiah. You have to go to Second Kings and Chronicles, and yes, let me just condense that for you. Hezekiah was, you know, the, the city, the, the country was invaded by Assyrians, and the water source at that time on the city of Jerusalem, there is a map, that will show you, was located on the east side of the city. Do we have the map? Yes, there you go. So on your right, you see there's a blue line that goes from the right to left. Everybody see it clearly. To the right is where the Gihon Spring is, okay? Gihon Spring is a fresh water source for the city of Jerusalem. But the invasion was happening, and the water source was actually outside the wall. So any good tactical military commander would do, say, why would I give a free water in this desert, arid place to give free water to my enemy? So what he did, which is brilliant, redirected the water from the east of Jerusalem, the water source, the Gihon Spring, made a cave, which actually, if you come with me to Israel, we can actually go to Hezekiah Tunnel. We can walk through this tunnel that Hezekiah actually made. That redirect the water all the way to the south, as you see on the left. That is the pool of Siloam, or in Hebrew, Siloah. Now, next picture. This is the artist renderings of what city will look like in the time of Jesus. Now, the pool is at the very bottom. Uh, you can kind of see it. If you don't see it, I'm sorry. The picture is kind of small from the far away. Pool is there. This is important for us. Why? Because the story is taking place 
somewhere in the city. And we know that this man will ultimately go to the pool of Siloam. Now, you have to understand, we have to have this mind that this man was blind. Good? This man is a blind. He's a blind man. But he will have to go. So we know that this story is taking place in Jerusalem. So let's go straight into the scripture this morning. Now, this this specific chapter is divided into seven sections, and I will try to cover every single part in 22 minutes. There's a reason why I do this, because I'm kind of giving you the countdown for you, slowly. It's going to end at the end, okay? So don't worry. Okay, it's divided into seven sections, and we're going to go back and forth. For example, first one will be the healing of the man himself. Second thing will be response by the man's neighbors. Third, the first interaction between man and the Pharisees. Fourth, man's parents are questioned. Fifth, second and final interaction between the man and the religious Jews. And sixth, man's encounter with Jesus. And finally, Jesus' final verdict to the Pharisees. So we're going to try to cover every verse. At least we'll try, and we'll try to share a few nuggets on the way, okay? So let's just go straight into the Word. In verse 1, it begins, He saw a man who was blind from birth. Stop. It is Jesus who recovers, who finds this blind man. It is he who initiates the approach. See, he is coming to this man. And as he is arriving to this blind man, disciples ask a question. Valid question at that. And if you don't look closely, it sounds like it's very crude. Here's what he said. Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? In time of Jesus, even prior to that, the Orthodox Judaism actually believed the man's condition, a lot of time, the suffering had to do with the nature of sin. It goes hand in hand. So the very question that disciples ask is not so crude question, but it's a valid question that was raised by the religious Jews at time. So as a Jewish man, which is the disciples are, in asking a very common question, Lord, it's a theological question. And it's asking the question as if, is this true? And what is Jesus' response? Did he say, yes, it is the problem with his parents. Parents sinned so that this man was born blind. No. How about the man himself? Is he sinned? There's some study, there's some Orthodox Jews that actually believe that the baby can sin while he is in the womb. Now, you probably wonder, that's just crazy. How would that work? But that's the belief at that time, and that's what the disciples bring it to Jesus. And Jesus responds, neither this man nor his parents sinned, but that the works of God should be revealed. A very important word. You should have highlighted, you should have put a block on it, you should go back there and study it again and again why this word is there. Only appears once. That works of God should be revealed in him. Let me ask you a question. What is the works of God? What is it? Some will say, what is the preaching of the gospel? But the works of God is doing the miracles and signs and wonders. We can have so many different answers to that, but let me give you the answer. It is not from me, but it's Jesus himself. In John chapter 6, verse 29, he said, Jesus answered and said to them, 
This is the work of God, that you believe in him whom he sent. Work of God is to believe in him whom he has sent. And it's kind of funny, because when you say works of God should be revealed in him, it's kind of like saying the same thing over, right? To be revealed, understanding who he is. It kind of goes together, and that's what Jesus is bringing to the point. So it's not about the man's condition. Condition was inevitable, per se. We cannot explain some things, why suffering happens. There's no answer to it. I can give you one idea why I believe the suffering exists, because we live in a fallen world. When the sin entered the world, suffering also entered the world at the same time. And that's why we have sufferings and sin. And so we're living in a fallen world, the suffering exists. That's just a reality. But is that the end? Is that what God gives us? Just figure out with yourself. The answer is no. There is a hope in him. Verse 4, I must work the works of him, here appears again, who sent me while it is day. The night is coming, no one can work. As long as I'm in the world, I am the light of the world. Now, if you have been following us through the whole series, you understand that John is not, he has specific intent. He wants to communicate specific things through his word that he used. And one of the words that we saw was in the beginning, when the chapter opens in the Genesis chapter 1. And John chapter 1 also opens with the word in the beginning. It's as if he is connecting the two, God, two books together and say, it's the same thing. It's a one story. If there's no Old Testament or New Testament, what he's saying is, it's just one synchronized one book. He's just continuing the story of what Genesis count began. And so when he says, I am the light of the world, you automatically think in the creation account where the light comes to being. And so much so, this miracle that's about to happen to this blind man is going to take a similar, not the same, but a similar approach by God in a human form, Jesus Christ himself. When he had said these things, he spat on the ground, made a clay with the saliva. He anointed the eyes of a blind man with the clay. Hold up for a second. Think about if you are blind man. Just put yourself in his shoes. He doesn't see anything. But he knows there's a conversation that is brewing. He hears. You have to understand the blind man. If you are blind, your other are hiding. That means you'll be able to hear well. You'll be able to smell well, and you by touch, you should be able to figure out real quick what it is, okay? Because your, one of your senses are taken away, the other has to compensate, per se. So I believe that he was, now, I wasn't there. This is, some, this is just my assumption. So don't say, and this is what exactly happened. But I believe that he heard every word, every question that was raised by the disciples, to the, every word that's speaking out, spoken out by Jesus himself. Why do I believe that? Because the story kind of gives it away. He made a clay with a saliva, anointed the eyes of a blind man, and he tells him to go to the pool of Siloam. Now, 
And so he went and watched. Now, now that's what I believe he heard everything the word Jesus said. Why I believe that is because it is one thing that somebody put a stuff in your eyes. Remember, he doesn't know what he's putting it on. All you can think is some thing that is putting over his eyes. But he doesn't know what it is, but something is being put on his eyes. And now, because Jesus, in his gracious word, is speaking of his condition, maybe, just maybe, all his life that he's been hearing, the reason why you are blind is because your parents sinned. It's because you sinned. That was the only explanation he got his entire life. Now, for the first time, he hears, no, 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 no. Works of God will be revealed in you. Hope? Maybe. And so he goes. Now, if somebody tells me to go somewhere, right, he must have some kind of respect for the man that he's listening to. And so he goes. Here is a nugget that I figured it out. Miracles are incomplete without obedience. All the things that we believe and say, oh, God can do all things, if we don't obey what God has called us to do, practical step to doing it is incomplete. God told you to pray. Did you pray? God told you to fast. Did you fast? What have you done to your miracle? It's just around the corner, but it will take your obedience to do it. Miracles are incomplete without obedience. Let's keep going, shall we? And they said to him, verse 12, oh, let me go, let's go back here. Okay, pull up zero one. He went and washed and he came back saying, obedience. He took his obedience. It was not just the mud in his eye that he washed away. Remember, wherever he was, can we see that picture again, by the way? Wherever he was in the city, for him to get to the pool of Siloam, unless he was already at the pool of Siloam, which I doubt he was, he had to go wherever he was. Now, we know that he was a blind man. We know the blind man's profession a lot of times was a beggar because that's all he could do. So they would go stand in the very high traffic area, such as Temple Gate, right? And we find the beggar in Book of Acts, which you can read it later. And they beg. That's all they knew. So for him to actually get up from the temple, which is on your right of screen, go all the way to the bottom, you think that that's kind of like, ah, that's not a hard walk. It's pretty small to me. But actually, when you go there, you understand the topography play a major factor when you walk. And you are blind. Okay? So if you're safe, for example, whether you would be in the lower city, upper city, whether you be by the temple, by the gate, or one of those gates, you still have to do work. There's something that you had to do. He had to obey the voice to go. And he goes. And the result is obedience has led to brand new life, transformation, brand new. Light comes on. He sees. Think about it. If you are blind, you've never been blind. Have you, have you ever had a situation, something like a dart went into your eyes, you couldn't see for a little bit, for a few seconds? And you're like, ah, this is horrible. Ah, I should never be. Ah, I want to see again. Or if you get a blacked out or something, if you play football, there's a moment when you hit so hard that you just black out for a second. It never happened to you. God bless you. You never want to experience that kind of things. But you do. That you don't see for a second. 
And you understand, if that case, if that condition is a permanent, you understand the miracle, a true miracle this is for this man. And he experienced it. I just think about it. As a man, they start to see, and everything starts to make sense. The street that he was walking with a stick or whatever to the guidance to get through the different places, marketplaces, the smell. Now he can make the connection between the spices that he's been seeing, smelling so long. Now he can make the connection. There's a colors there. There's, there's this building, this tall building that I can never see, but I only heard about how beautiful the temple is, and I finally see, wow, what an amazing thing. I see I see. People should be rejoicing at this moment, saying, wow, you received sight. What an amazing story. But this is a tragic story of this story. It's because nobody will be celebrating with him. How many times he will be asked and being questioned for his miracle will fascinate you. How can that be? How can you be that heartless to not rejoice with the one that just received the sight for the first time. How can that be? His neighbors, think about it this way. The neighbors that knew him, he's seen him. Some say, oh, he is him. But there are some that said, eh, he is like him. You are that heartless. You are that, you're not paying attention that much that you couldn't even recognize the face of the blind man? I don't know. It sounds cruel to me. And he answers. He gives the full answer at this time. But as it goes, because time is running out, as the story goes, his answer will get short and short and short. At the end, he just gets frustrated. You'll see. How were your eyes open? Verse 10, he answered, a man called Jesus that's all he knows at this point. He doesn't know if he's a Messiah. He doesn't know if he's a prophet. He doesn't know if anything about this man. All he knows is what he heard and what he did. He obeyed. Now he sees. Made a clay, anointed my eyes, and said to me, go to the pool of Siloam and wash. Simple enough. And I went and washed, and I received sight. Now rejoice with me. They said to him, where is he? Do you hear anyone celebrating with this man for receiving the sight? Not yet. They brought him who formerly was blind to the Pharisees. Now, this is getting interesting. Now, it was Sabbath, verse 14, when Jesus made a clay and opened the eyes. Now, this will become a problem. Why? Because healing of the blind man was not permitted on Sabbath. Three reasons why. Number one, he cannot anoint on the day of Sabbath. Number two, what he did was not life and death situation. So he should wait it. I mean, think about how crazy that sounds, but that's the reason why. He should have waited until next day because it was a life, not life and death situation. He should have waited until next day. Just wait, Jesus. You can't wait until tomorrow. How about this one? Oh, Lord, that person that you're telling me to speak right now or pray for right now, eh, maybe later. Maybe tomorrow. We do this all the time. 
Maybe next time. Maybe when I'm led more. Whenever you return, maybe. We miss the point. We miss those opportunities. When God calls us to go and reach the people, our coworkers, our classmates, our, our family members, we say, ah, maybe later. It's not the life and death situation. But it is. Because we know that tomorrow is not promised to any of us in this room. If that's the case, when God tells you to do something, just do it. Don't wait. Don't wait until tomorrow. You'll regret it. Always quick to respond when God says go. The first reason, though, which is interesting, the first reason how he broke the Sabbath law is because it's just really trippy. It's, it's really funny to me. It's, why? Because Jesus gets the dust from the earth, and he spit on it, and he make a mud out of it. Now I thought to myself this question. You know, he could just put a dust in his eyes. Then they should not break the Sabbath rules. He just put a dust in his eye. They should be fine. But it is as if he's like, aha, uh -huh. I'm going to make a dough out of this. Because I'm going to say how hypocrite you are. How religious has blinded you are. And so he neat the mud, in a sense, and put on the eyes of the blind man. That's how he broke the Sabbath law, according to the Pharisees. You probably wonder, like, damn, that's crazy. But that's the truth. And he said to them, he put them there clear, why watch not see? And therefore, some Pharisee says, this man is not from God because he does not keep the Sabbath. But here's the other one. How can a man is a sinner to such a sign? So there were some that questions, like, no, no, hold on a minute, guys. I, I, I get what you're saying. But guys, this man sees maybe there is something there. But the whole story goes, the rest of the story goes is those voices, these Pharisees that actually raised the question, goes down while the, the main, the first Pharisees that questioned the breaking of the Sabbath overwhelms the second one. So we don't hear back too much about him. So let's go fast. 17, what do you say about him? Because he opened your eyes. He said, he is a prophet. Now, this is what he's saying, what the blind man is saying. The prophet, the title, the prophet is the highest level of honor that you could give to a man. What you're really saying is, this man is from God. Because that's what the prophet did. When the prophet came, he's wanted to tell the voice of the Lord, be the mouthpiece for God, but sometimes he actually did the healings. So in a sense, he just aligned with that. He's like, this has to be a prophet. But Jews, verse 18, did not believe concerning him. Now, the rest of the story is confronting this man, questioning this man. His parents are questioned. Ultimately, what they're trying to prove that this man is lying to us. He cannot be telling us the truth. Tell us the whole story. When he said, give glory to God, verse 24. He said, tell the truth. You're under an oath. Verse 25, which is the most important verse, is this whole scripture, whole chapter. Whether he is a sinner or not, I do not know one thing I know. This is a fact. This actually happened. 
Look at me. Though I was blind, but now I see. See, Pharisees, this miracle was inconvenient to them. They did not want to accept that Jesus was the Messiah, that or just even simply from God. Everything that Jesus did was threat their very existence, so they would do everything in their power to dismiss even the miracle, the sign that happened in front of their eyes. Friends, can we be that blinded? When God does miracle alongside of us, and we see him, the real miracle, I always say this, and I will say this for the rest of my life, the greatest miracle that you will ever see in your lifetime is not leg growing out. It's not even the blind thing. It's all different kind of miracles. That's not it. The greatest miracle that happens along us is that one who was a sinner repent of their sins and follow God. The sinner of the sinner, the chief sinner, some Bible writer said, God has revealed himself in our belief. That's the story of the gospel and that's what this story tells here. And finally, I'm sorry I can't cover everything, but He get cast out. They had it enough. They're like, no, we're not going to believe you. We question you. I don't believe in Jesus. We don't believe in Jesus. We don't believe you. So they cast him out. And up to this point, still, this was a long day for this man, this blind man that sees. Long day for him. Nobody celebrates with him until the one comes and seek him out again. And Jesus heard that they cast him out. Verse 35. And when he had found them, he said to them, do you believe in the Son of God? Remember earlier that I said to you, if you're blind, your hearing is heightened. He knew exactly who was speaking to him. I believe at this point, he will believe that if Jesus said, I'm an alien, he would have believed. Because he fully knew who this man was. But here's the kicker, guys. This man sees. I believe that the eyes of Jesus and this man interlocked. They're looking at each other. I believe the tears were rolling down his eyes because he understood that this man healed him. Now he's standing in front of him because all day long nobody celebrates. And now one thing that was in his start, how can I thank the man who gave me the sight? Here he is. You are Jesus. And he answers, who is he, Lord? I believe if you say you, I'll believe you. That I may believe in him. And Jesus said to him, you have both seen him, and it is he who is talking with you. Lord, I believe. And he worshiped him. Believing always 
leads to worship. Let me say that again. Believing in Christ will always lead to worship. And all of us in this room this morning as I close today, all of us in this room at one point, whether you believe or not, if you don't believe, you're still blinded. But if you do believe, you know what it's like to be spiritually blind. And I think that's the story. That's the moral of the story. That God is in business today to open the eyes of the blind, not physical, but spiritual eyes. And he wants to open your eyes. The man during his argument with the religious says, one thing I know, that though I was blind, now I see. Let me ask you this question. Do you see? Do you see?